This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 9.18 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run with Shazana, Phil and Anwar. Let's get a quick update on the FBM KLCI. Any chance it's turned green? It is remaining green. It's up 0.11% at 1,445. As well as Singapore's Straits Times Index up 0.89% at 3,101. As we were saying just now, really seeing a big strengthening of the Japanese yen on news that Bank of Japan policymakers are hinting that the central bank may shift away from its ultra-low interest rate plan. All right. That's uh, something that we are going to keep a lookout for, especially in the week ahead. But let's turn our attention now to the banking sector in Malaysia. The domestic banking system has consistently demonstrated robust fundamentals, despite lingering concerns related to slowing economic growth. For the first eight months of 2023, the industry charted an annualized loans growth of 4.1%, even in the face of weak global, weak global trade and elevated interest rates. And last month, Bank Negara Malaysia maintained the overnight policy rate at 3%. This decision marked the sole rate hike for the year, occurring in May. Given the sector's pivotal role as a barometer on Malaysia's economic well-being, how have they performed in the third quarter and has the risk-reward profile for banking stocks improved? For some thoughts on the outlook for the banking sector, we have on the line with us Samuel Wu, Equity Research Analyst with MIDF. Samuel, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Let's start off with a review of how banks performed in the third quarter. Was there any sector-wide downside pressure from slowing economic growth? Hi, good morning, and thank you for inviting me to speak on the morning run. I'm really out of shape, and I really need to get my steps in anyway. So... <laughs> So 3Q was a pretty benign quarter in the sense that we didn't have a lot of sector-wide earnings pressure sources, you know, so the bad stuff was more on an isolated case basis. And no, we didn't really see too much uh, the, the slowing of economic growth affect banks too bad. But the good stuff, however, impacted all banks. So we saw good uplift to net interest income as the May 23 OPR high boosted NIMS, while non-interest income saw uplift from elevated forex activity and higher loan-related fee income. Provisioning in OPEX also was a lot more normalized this time compared to the first half of the year. With the current interest rates, can you give us an update on how loan growth has been so far and which types have been seeing a resurgence? So the first half of this year has been pretty poor on this front. So you see only a couple of banks managed to get decent loan growth figures in the first half. But 3Q has shown pretty convincing recovery in loan growth with business loans taking center stage. And what's actually happening is that your working capital loans non-residential mortgages, they're all bolstered by this post-election certainty. So this should at least persist in the next quarter, but the outlook beyond that is a bit less certain. So on retail loans, unsecured loan demand has grown even stronger now. They are well sought after because they're very, very good for NIMS, especially since uh, when residential mortgage loan margin margins have been thinning and higher purchase loan demand tends to be slowing down already. So I think we could see uh, slowing down on the retail loans as a whole in subsequent quarters. So that's something we should be a bit more wary of. And Samuel, how has the only rate hike in May impacted that interest margin so far? And were name movements synchronized you know, across all players? Um, so for context, the 3Q actually felt the full quarter uplift to asset yields while the FD rate adjustment hasn't quite come in yet. So it was looking pretty positive throughout the sector. So you see most banks reporting minimal or significant NIM Q and Q uplift, uh, with only two names reporting quarter and quarter declines. But I don't think it's fair to attribute this 
industry-wide positive increase fully to the rate hike because some of this were as a result of the FD pairing exercises and other forms of NIM optimization measures that banks have been taking these few quarters. So there were big trade-offs in the form of liquidity and loan growth in some cases. I think a few banks might have seen the NIMs move in a, I think a few more banks might have seen the NIMs move in a more tr negative trajectory as well if they hadn't done so much effort in optimizing these things. So if we take a look at the fact that we're on this path to normalization, what are the downside risks to asset quality? I mean, are you seeing trends in terms of loan impairments and such? Okay, so how to think about it is in the second quarter of the year, we saw primarily mortgage repayment assistant related impairments flooding in. So that was a big thing for that quarter. Whereas this quarter, 3Q, the focus shifted to their SME and working capital counterparts. So most banks have managed it pretty well, except maybe for a few select names. And moving forward, I actually think the hardest quarter is over. So uh, uh, subsequent quarters should see banks managing their impairments pretty well. So I, I think the worst is over in this respect. So I think the downside risks moving forward are going to be on a more isolated case basis in the sense that we have seen larger impairments instead of the bank's overseas exposure as of late. And I think moving forward, those are the ones to walk. And one or two banks might still struggle with some local corporate related impairments moving forward. But again, this is very much on an isolated case basis. Which banks have superior asset quality than the rest and why? Well, the top three have always been the same. Like if we're talking about it from a GIL ratio perspective, it's Public Bank, Hong Nam Bank and Bank Islam. But I think it's worth noting that actually in this quarter, Hong Nam Bank has overtaken public bank as having the lowest GIL ratio in the industry, with public having risen to 0.58% from its usual range of uh, approximately 30-ish. Even though concerns are still very slight in this regard, I don't, uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily very attractive in the eye of foreign investors for public bank due to this. And I think uh, in Bank Islam's case, there was some concern arising impairment some time ago, but I think it's shown a pretty convincing turnaround as of late. Now, what can investors, you know, expect on dividend yields moving forward? Investors should be pretty positive on dividend yields. So in the last couple of quarters, you see several banks actively increasing dividend payouts to more competitive levels, or at least signaling their intention to do so. Several banks are coming close to completing their capital builds, so you can expect further upside possibilities in the form of full cash dividend offerings or even more dividend payout revisions. And I think there's also an upside possibility in the form of GNM, uh, maybe slightly loosening its CET1 level preferences on banks. So as you can see, most banks are holding up to 14% CET1 ratios, which is very, very high. You know, you could say they're still masked up, you know, and this is uh, abnormal. You can blame, you know, USNA for this. It was the banking scares earlier this year, coupled with a less optimistic local economic outlook. I think if this stick if the skittishness passes, banks across the board might aim to pare down their capital levels to optimize the ROE slightly. And an easy way to do so is to enhance dividend payouts. I mean, you sound uh, pretty optimistic for the year ahead. What are the biggest risks you think banks are going to experience for next year then? I think the main risk is a possible slowdown in the retail loan category. We you know, Banks are guiding for strong business loans, but the retail loans like mortgages, we've seen the margins are thinning and higher purchases as well. We've seen uh, demand go down uh, over time. So that's probably my main concern of the year.
Mm-hmm. Other than that, everything is fairly okay. Yeah, and, and you're just focusing on that, right? Which banks usually have a bit more exposure on that? Uh, more, which banks have more exposure to mortgages? It's usually your large-scale retail banks. So you have Public Bank, you have Hong Kong Bank to an right. extent, and you have Bank Islam. All right, uh, Samuel, before we let you go, um, what would be your top picks and why? Okay, so... Uh, my top picks are CIMB and MBank. So we like CIMB for its lucrative Indonesian market exposure. It's digital offerings coming online, which offer less drag to ROE. And because we feel there's still further room for ROE restructuring in the form of high dividend payout, lower base net credit costs, and further op- cost optimization. And my friend's dad also works in CIMB Niaga. So shout out <laughs> to him for giving investors an Biased. easy top pick. <laughs> and moving on to MBank. Uh, we like Ambank for its huge tax return expected next quarter, which it will use to boost its loan loss coverage ratio. Uh, and we think it has a high chance of improving its dividend payout ratio and further optimizing its capital structure. And to end things, just a little factoid for you eager listeners. Ambank <laughs> actually stands for Arab Malaysian Bank. And its logo is supposed to be a camel's humps. So investors, I urge you to put your money on the bank with the humps. Samuel, thank you. On that note, that was Samuel Wu, equity research analyst with MIDF, citing his top two picks. With Uh, a very highly unscientific recommendation (laughs) there. (laughs) CIMB and Bank, But really, the banking sector seems to be on pretty good footing um, and uh, with uh, not too many headwinds ahead. Yeah, I think his pick CIMB, the Indonesian opportunity, the digital push by CIMB, the the upside potential on both CIMB and Bank as well, besides the fact that the logo has two humps or one hump. All right. Well, it is 9.28 in the morning. We're going to be heading into the 9.30 a.m. News Bulletin. After the 9.30 a.m. News Bulletin, stay tuned because we have WTF or What's the Focus? Our weekly recap, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.